As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, hello, everyone. It's Susie here, Crypto Granny. The date's the 24th of the 6th, 2021, and it's 16.24 p.m. in Amsterdam time, uh, the Netherlands. So running a bit late today. Sorry, guys. Beautiful sunny day in Amsterdam today. Just gorgeous and Everyone's out enjoying themselves, and I think I'll have to go for a walk after this podcast. Now, the market, I'm still not putting out a buy order for my clients at the moment. I'm still not convinced. Bitcoin needs to get through three, four, five hundred. Uh, keeps getting sold around that level, and the technicals still look quite bad. Volatility is still fairly high. It is coming down a little bit, but it's still high. So, I'm still happy to sit with what I've got at the moment. I don't like spending more money on uh, more investments if the investment is not initially going our way. So I really want this market to consolidate, see if it's going to push down further. Some people out there are targeting on Bitcoin anything from 25000 to 20000 I don't know whether that's overkill or not, but certainly the technicals are justified at the moment. The technicals don't look bullish at all. They look quite bearish. Uh, in saying that, let's look at the data. So 1.38 uh, is the market cap, 1.38 trillion at the moment. Volume is low at 54.458 billion. Liquidity is 3.590. Obil, it's moving up, but it is low compared to normal liquidity of about 4.5 bill. And Bitcoin dominance is 46.19% at the moment. If we go to Mazari and have a look at real volume, which I like to look at. Let's have a look at that and see what we come up with there. Bear with me for a minute. So real volume, let's have a look here. For Tether is 18.64 billion. Uh, Charles Hoskins did come out last night and say Tether is a Mickey Mouse currency. And well, he didn't say that exactly. That's my words, but it is, okay? I've spoken about this before. Tether is not real US dollars. They only back Tether USDT with about 70 70 cents of one US dollar they print, right? Sorry, let me explain that again. Tether is a, co- a token that's been issued by, sorry, I'm half asleep today. 
has been issued by Tether Inc. They're a corporate that's not doesn't have a credit rating, doesn't have anything, and they issue this one token Tether, which is supposed to reflect real US dollars, but it's not real real US dollars because they only every time they print one token, they only buy seventy cents of US dollars, real US dollars. So Tether itself should be trading at 0.73. And I've told, told this before, people, and that's a real risk to this market, right? Uh, Bitcoin is 7.6 billion in volume. Ethereum, 4.39. Binance US, 3.66 bill. Dodge, 1.92 bill. Binance itself, 1.56 bill. ADA, 1.41 bill. And XRP is 9.69 million. So let's go to the news. Uh, Andreas Hor- Horowitz, which is a big... Uh, investment fund um, and they also buy a lot of uh, crypto before it even gets listed so they've made an absolute fortune this company has announced that they're setting up a large crypto fund one of the largest ever uh, and they're going to raise 2.2 billion uh, in this crypto fund and this is the fifth sorry the third fund they're launching and that's massive this company already has assets under management of 8.6 billion and they've just hired former uh, SEC director Bill Hinman, which is going to be interesting. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Celsius shuts their operations in the UK due to regulate, regulatory uncertainty. And honestly, you know, it leaves me asking the question, how do these businesses grow, right? Seriously, how do they grow in these uh, these countries that, you know, the regulation hasn't even been set down yet? And no one knows what's going on with crypto regulation. And then these companies can get sued, right? It just seems, you know, all arse about, right? You know, the horse before the cart. It doesn't make sense. You know, they need to regulate the crypto market. We all agree with that. They need to get off their whatever, their proverbial bums. And, you know, the, the SEC... And the regulators need to work out what the hell they're doing. And they don't seem to know what they're doing as far as I'm concerned. And that's the same for us, uh, for XRP, right? Ripple as well. Ripple have now subpoenaed uh, the uh, former uh, chief of the SEC, right? Jay Clayton. And that's going to make this very interesting for Ripple because, you know, uh, if you remember rightly, Jay Clayton uh, has always come out and said that XRP is not a security you know, so keep an eye on that on that case because that's going to get, be very, very interesting. Now, the case is supposed to finish by about the 15th of something of August. Uh, it has been delayed and we see this constantly with the SEC, delaying everything, honestly. They're bloody hopeless as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, if Jay Clayton gets subpoenaed and he, he has to go to court on behalf of Ripple, then I honestly do not believe the that the SEC has a leg to stand on. Honestly, I really don't. I just don't think they're going to have a leg to stand on. Now, also, a lot of people waiting for the the SEC to make a decision on EFT funds, right? And, you know, they're just dilly-dallying. They are just taking their time. You know, clearly, SEC time and Fed time is on their own time. They don't even realise that markets are anticipating weighty and all this sort of business. You know, these guys' feed income get paid a lot of money and they can't even make a decision. I mean, honestly, it's just a joke as far as I'm concerned. Now, Van Eyck, that's been wanting to set up exchange trade funds, which are ETFs, which go on the stock market, has been waiting 
for so long, I can't even remember how long these people have been waiting. And there's other institutions that want to do ETFs as well, right? So now again, the Fed has delayed the Van Eyck decision, which was the first proposal to go in. God knows how many other proposals they have. And, you know, this has now been extended from June the 6th to August. I mean, honestly, these blokes cannot make a bloody decision. You know, my cats could have made a better decision than these people. Fed income, honestly, it's just beyond me. Uh, now, there's scams everywhere. And, you know, this is why in crypto land, we all have to be so careful, right? The odds of and the chance of us losing money is extremely, extremely high, right? And that's why I'm very skittish to go into this market again, because I still don't trust it, okay? I still don't trust it. The, the uh, the technicals look very bearish to me and honestly if Bitcoin doesn't get through uh, what is it three four five hundred then I cannot put more buy orders out at the moment if my clients decide to buy more that's really up to them it's their money but for me with my money I'm not buying any more until I see some real consolidation in this market okay and resistance levels broken through convincingly right I'm worried that this is a fool's rally, okay? A fool's rally in a bear market. And I've seen that many, many times before. Okay, so there was a huge scam in South Africa uh, with a cryptocurrency platform called uh, AffiCrypt. And, you know, I've got a couple of South African clients and I did tell them not to leave anything on the African crypto exchanges because, you know, anything can happen, right? There's no regulation. People can pull money, whatever, right? And this was the founders of this crypto uh, platform, AfriCrypt, right? Mm. And apparently this was two brothers. And apparently the, the brothers have vanished into thin air and they got away with $3.6 in Bitcoin, right? I mean, that's just incredible, right? So I suppose they decided, right, we're going to rip off all the clients, our clients on the on the platform. Let's make it big. $3.6 billion is, is a lot of money to live on for the rest of your life. But I guess you're always going to be looking over your shoulder for sure. That's for sure. And you'd have to live somewhere that people don't recognize you or something like that. And also there was another scam, another DeFi scam. Uh, this one was soft drugs. The founders... Uh, just dumped it, you know, they dumped the tokens and took profit and then scammed everyone everyone on the blockchain uh, for Binance, right? On uh, Binance's smart chain. And honestly, the SEC should be regulating the DeFi market. Every day there is a scam in the DeFi market. Every day that I do this, right? And honestly, I would not touch DeFi with a pole, Okay, and I told my clients, we do not invest in DeFi, right? We don't invest in privacy coins and we do not invest in DeFi and we don't invest in a lot of tokens because they don't have their own network, right? Because where's the value? They don't have their own network and their own clients. Think about it. Where is the value, right? Now, another DeFi also went bust and this was on Ethereum's platform and this was called Shared Stake right? SGT, the token, and that dropped 95%. But this was, it turns out, that the press say whether this is right or not, that it was supposed to be a rogue developer who, who had access to the 
the system of uh, uh, you know obviously Ethereum, but also this uh, token SGT. He had the admin key, so he was able to sell tokens, you know, for cash and pull the money out. So the SEC needs to look at this stuff, fair income. And if I was the exchanges like Binance, I would not have tokens on my Binance smart chain when there's a high risk that there's going to be scams, okay? It just doesn't make sense. And this is what should be regulated first. But the SEC are too stupid to realise that, right? because they have no idea about the crypto market. You've got a bunch of people in governments that have no idea about market forces or anything, right? And that's dangerous for markets because all their compliance and regulation, all it does is drain the liquidity from all markets, right? Because there's no prop traders anymore. Prop traders, proprietary traders, I used to be one, you manage the bank's money, their own money on their balance sheet, and you take positions. And all those traders that used to be around before 2008 have gone. And those traders used to provide liquidity to all markets, right? Whether it's the equity market, the bond market, the commodity market, they're gone now. And with that, because of regulation from, you know, all the powers that be in the government, the liquidity in the market is worse now than ever before. And that's the problem. When markets go down, there is no natural buyer. Everyone wants to sell. And that's why you see massive gapping in markets on the way down. Now, some of my clients were complaining when we uh, when I put out a, buy, a sell order on the 12th of May that, you know, um, and we did it early, but some clients were a bit late and they were trying to sell in, you know, in, in, in a market that was going down dramatically, right? And they were complaining, oh, but on screen, you know, Bitcoin was 32,000. Well, it doesn't make, it doesn't matter what it is on screen. You have to understand that, people. If it's a fast market, which it was on the 19th, where prices were going down by massive amounts, right? What happens is if the, if the prices are going down, all the buyers pull their buy buys, right? Their buy orders when they see the price going down, right? It's like a train coming down the hill. You know, you see this train coming down the hill and you, you're going to buy something and all you can see is massive volumes of sell orders. You're going to pull your bid, right? It just makes sense. You're going to pull your buy order, and often what happens is the screens cannot keep up with those orders going through. And so if you put something at market where you sell it, you get done wherever the real market is. But it's not the market you see on the screen because it takes a second or two to update that fast market going through, right? Because you've got OTC orders as well, right? Over-the-counter orders, that have to be cleared as well. So that's why you get that slippage, and that's what it's called, slippage. The price you get done at and the price on the screen are two different things. The real market was lower, okay? And that's why when you go to different platforms and different exchanges in times of extreme volatility, like the 19th of May, you see other exchanges have incredibly different prices for Bitcoin, let alone all the small tokens or all the other coins that don't have as much liquidity as Bitcoin. You see what I'm saying? And so therefore, 
you get these incredible arbitrage opportunities if you can do it, but you can't because the thing is there's so much volume going through, exchanges collapse at the same time by the volume, right? They're offline, right? And, you know, you can, you know, often there'll be a price differential of 800 US dollars or something on different exchanges as well. So you cannot expect to get out of a fast market when everyone is selling, right? And, you know, think that, you know, the real market's at 32,000, you know, for a Bitcoin price when it's really 29,500, you know, and that's the thing. The retail think that and it's just they're not educated, Right. And that's why I need to make sure my clients are educated because they need to understand the risks in markets. You know, in 08, 09 on the equity market, I saw it. Equity prices couldn't keep up with the, the incredible selling and all the margin loans and everything, all the leverage loans and margin loans because people buy on margin, get triggered. And that propels the market even further down because they're long on margin. And as soon as the market goes down, they have to sell, right? And the market goes down lower. And that's what we saw in the equity market in 08 and 09. So it's always important to see how much money is being borrowed against crypto positions, just like equities, just like anything else, right? Uh, you know, if people are selling futures or derivatives, they, there's a funding cost for that and they have to pay for it as well, right? You get nothing for free, right? And the futures market, often the selling starts first and then it reprices the physical market and the physical market goes down quickly, right? And that's the story. And the risk is huge and volatility goes through the roof. And the average true range on a price is wider than you've ever seen. You know, and what the average true range is, you know, where did Bitcoin tra uh, trade today, right? If we say the average true, it traded between 34 to 35,000, the average true range was 1,000, right? But in times of volatility, that average true range will go from 32,000 to 28,000 to 27,000 and becomes 5,000. You see what I'm saying? And there'll be huge slippage. Okay, so what else we got here? Now, JP Morgan have come out and they said they're very bearish on cryptos, particularly Bitcoin. They've identified an impending unlocking of shares in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, right? Apparently, the purchases, uh, they were purchased in January, uh, but they believe uh, these are going to be a source of downside because the investors that have Bitcoin, right, had a lockup period until June, July, and now they can sell that Bitcoin and liquidate it, right? Now, if that's the case, and that's a lot of Bitcoin, it's going to basically force this market down. So that's what they're saying. JP Morgan, even though they've set up a cryptocurrency uh, trading uh, story unit, you know, for themselves, they believe the market could come down a bit and Bitcoin could get to 25000 or so. And certainly, technically, it looks like Bitcoin could get there. I do believe this could happen. And that's why I'm very, uh, how can I say this, uh, not comfortable about buying more Bitcoin at the moment. One thing, you know, as a trader and a professional investor, you never put more money after bad, okay? You just sit with what you've got. You have it put against it like we do. 
and we just wait. Waiting is the best thing to do and it's a decision. It's an investment decision and it's a trading decision. You don't always have to be long or short, okay? We're hedged at the moment because we have a bought put. So if the market keeps falling, we've got that bought put which gives us profit and that will offset our losses in our physical holdings and that's what we should do. And that's exactly the right position to be in at the moment. So if this market doesn't improve, I'm staying out right until you know we see some consolidation right but every day they keep selling you know if bitcoin can get through 34 500 or more then maybe you know i'll dip the toe in but i have to see how the technicals look uh, and the volatility measures particularly okay mm. so what else we got here um unfortunately john mcphee who was very well known in crypto land uh, allegedly, um... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Died in a Spanish jail and some are calling it suicide. Allegedly, I don't know whether that happened or not. I know he died, but um, because uh, there was... Uh, uh, it went to the High Court of Spain, apparently, that they said they would send him back to America, extradite him to the US on charges of tax evasion. So apparently he was being held in a Spanish jail and, you know, he ended up dying in that jail. And I think that's very, very sad. So, you know, whether you like this guy or not, he was certainly a maverick. He was very entertaining. And I think it's very sad that a person should die in, in a jail just because of tax evasion or, or alleged tax evasion. You know, I think it's a very sad story, uh, this one particularly, that someone, you know, if he did suicide, then I think it's even more tragic, I have to say. Uh, to think that governments can make people do this is just beyond me. Philosophically, I'm just like, I shake my head, you know, because seriously, you know, where's the humanity? Seriously. Oh, you know, unbelievable. But anyway, what can I also say? So uh, what else we got here? Um... God, I can't even read my own writing here. <laughs> um, companies in the US are struggling to get workers, right? And apparently, because I asked my US friends about this, and they said, you know, it was because of high unemployment benefits. And this report said the same. They said that, you know, the, a lot of people have got higher unemployment benefits in their own wage, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you know, it just shows you how low the wages are in the US. I mean, the US has created this, right? Wages are low. So, of course, people are going to stay on unemployment benefits if they're higher, right? Why wouldn't you? Of course you would. You know, it makes sense. And they also said because there's limited immigration and generally immigrants will do the jobs that other people don't want to do, 
and because there's problems with childcare challenges. Now, childcare is costs a fortune in Australia, right? I mean, fair income, it really does for a week. I don't know how much, but it's a lot. You know, like maybe $800 a week, I don't know. But, you know, and that's the thing, right? Um, you know, if the, people can't get their kids looked after um, and they're getting below the unemployment benefit for a wage, I mean, of course, this is what they're going to do. You know, the Americans need to increase, you know, that low wage over there. I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, I don't, you know, I've heard it's like about eight bucks or seven dollars. It's shocking. Our minimum wage, I think, you know, for an hour is fifteen dollars or no, eighteen dollars sixty-five or something. Mm. So that's pretty amazing, I think. Um, and this report said some people are blaming Amazon, and I'm not sure why. But I don't like Amazon. I don't like Jeff Bezos. He's a greedy, 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 greedy man that just has too much money, right? Too much money, you know. And, of course, he can afford to, you know, shout his brother and him, you know, uh, to the moon, right? What else do you do when you've got billions of dollars? You don't worry about the poverty in the world, like 4.7 billion people out of 7.9 billion people. What you do when you're a billionaire that's so ego and, you know, selfish like this bloke, you just go to the moon, right? What else are you going to do, you know? Fair dinkum. And I will say something. His ex-wife, which I thought was pretty amazing, won a huge settlement because, you know, from him having to live with that guy, fair dinkum. Honestly, you'd need it, I reckon. The guy would be a head case for sure. You know, she got all these billions. And you know what she did? She gave $25 billion away you know, to charity. And that, that, you know, women do that shit, right? Men don't tend to do it, you know? I don't know why that is. Because we're trying to build up humanity, you know? Fair income, you know? But the ego of men sometimes, particularly when they're wealthy like this, is just unbelievable, right? Just incredible. Um, you know, there's been surveys on Amazon. It's the worst place to work in history, you know? He has all, all his, you know... Um, you know, non-white people working for him so he can get, you know, a cheaper rate. But the guy's like a billionaire over and over again. Too much money, people. This is a crime against humanity as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Quantum Chain, Chain Foundation uh, is, um, they've set up a, a, a venture capital group based in Sweden and they've pledged to invest $10 million in other blockchain projects. And we see this a lot with really good crypto like this, right? That make money from their own network and their own clients. And, you know, they're a business that's earning cash and everything else, right? And they're investing in other projects. And we're seeing a lot of that in specific crypto that we invest in, which is a great story. Now, apparently there's a new token, BTC a token. It's called BTC365. And apparently this is a gaming platform and you can use BTC365 for this gaming platform. And also it has a dividend uh, pool, which was interesting. So I must have a look at that BTC365 of interest. Now, Polygon, RCN Network now is live on, on Polygon. And apparently they're an open source global credit network and that's of interest to me because what does that mean a global credit network so i'll be looking at that one as well also with this china lockdown of miners bitcoin hash rate is down 50 percent now that's that means that there's only 50 percent of bitcoin uh, being created right now that should be bullish for the price of bitcoin but we've seen bitcoin you know really lag okay so uh, keep that in mind now yesterday there was 
another, if you look at buy, buy bid, which shows you all the losses in the market and all the positions that got liquidated. Yesterday, a billion dollars got liquidated. Traders are, you know, it's been the hardest market in history, seriously, in the last month. I'm not kidding. It's been such a tough market. And even traders, professional traders are getting this wrong. And a billion dollars was lost yesterday. Liquidations of 600 million Bitcoin, 183 in Ethereum, XRP 45 million and so on, right? The day, the whales were dumping Bitcoin again at that resistance level of 34,500 or around there. So, you know, while that continues to happen, I can't put my toe into this market again. You know, I want to see some consolidation. So, um, you know, and again, uh, a JP Morgan analyst, as I said, came out and said Bitcoin could reach 25,000. We do have to be mindful of that, people, seriously. So, you know, again, let's let's sit and watch this market. Now, Citigroup launched a digital asset unit within its wealth management division. So they're the third largest bank that's gone in. You've got, uh, what do you got, Morgan Stanley in there. You've got Goldman Sachs in there. Uh, and who else? Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. There's another, and JP Morgan, sorry. And now you've got Citigroup. Amazing. Uh, engine blockchain, JumpNet, goes uh, carbon negative with carbon negative uh, NFT tokens. That's interesting. Uh, Binance uh, Smart Chain NFT platform launches artworks from Dali, Warhol, and 100 creators. That's awesome. Uh, Hubie Ventures invests in Beyond Finance DeFi to expand their DeFi uh, you know, offering on their platform. Uh, also, Solana, which I, I think Solana is a fabulous story. I must do a review on that for my clients. Tokenize, uh, have, are going to tokenize shares in Tulsa, Google and Apple shares soon. And that's awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. Uh, another story I've got here is, and we look at fun as well, Fun, a Funfair wallet is being used by One Inch, and they have a white label wallet service built for seamless integration into third party apps and in any browser or on any device. And they're doing really well with that wallet, which is a good story for Fun there, which is seriously, seriously cheap at the moment. Uh, very, very cheap. So I've told you about the story of the SEC and Ripple. Keep an eye out for that. They, as I said, they subpoena former SEC official, uh, uh, former chairman Jay Clayton, who says XRP is not a security. So watch that space, people. That's going to be very exciting to see what happens there. Now, let's have a look at social media. Worldwide searches was Clatin, Shibo Inu, Quant, Polygon, Solano, Barnbridge and BNB. Luna and Lush, everyone was focusing on Tron, Ada, XRP, Quant, Tezos, Dodge, Geo, Jew, Dodge or something, VeChain, Feed Every Gorilla and Solana. And what I like out of that, obviously, is Tron, Ada, XRP, Tezos, Dodge, we just have a trading, a small position on. I don't like it that much, but... It's just a high risk position. V chain I love and Solano, okay? And obviously Polygon, which is just a no brainer, and Binance, okay? They're just no brainers in my mind. They all make a lot of money, people, and they all have a lot of clients. And that's what you should be investing in. Let me just have a glass of water. It won't be sick, guys. Mm. Oh, that's better. Now, the equity market just steams ahead no matter what comes out economically. It was up overnight, you know, another 
234 points in the Dow. The NASDAQ was up 172. The S&P up another 26. The NASDAQ's at, you know, 14,500 nearly. The Dow's over 34,000. The S&P's 4267. And the VIX is down at 15.8, nearly at all-time lows for volatility in the, ex in the equity market, which is just beyond belief for me. I can't work it, work it out at all. It is just... The market just keep, keeps going higher and higher because they actually believe the Fed will not raise rates this year. The Fed is giving mixed signals. You know, there's a lot of uh, Fed uh, uh, people that come out and are basically saying, yes, inflation's here, but we believe that it's only transitory. And, you know, you had Fed, Fed Reserve Chairman Powell say, you know, oh, look, it won't be like the 1970s with rapid rise in inflation. That's very, very unlikely. But, you know, I'm saying to this guy, open up your freaking eyes, man. We've got inflation for 20 years. It's here. Massive inflation. Open up your eyes. Look at the normal people. They're not surviving. House costs are through the roof. Food costs are through the roof. Utility, home, um, education for children, health insurance, you name it. You know, middle class to, low, to lower, we're all struggling like buggery, you know. You know, these guys live in their glass towers and they have not got a friggin' clue. I've got to tell you that. They just haven't got a clue, man. And when it all comes crashing down, watch out. You know, honestly, it's just beyond me, fair income. And, you know, we have massive inflation. You know, they have, uh, you know, they've changed the inflation measure to take out the high inflation measures like housing, like rental, like food. You know, and it's not reflective of what people pay on the ground with $1, right? You can't get anything for a buck anymore. Anything. Mm. So, you know, these guys have got no idea. The Fed's got no idea. The SEC's got no idea. Fed income, no idea whatsoever. Now, anyway, the Fed Reserve is scheduled to release its annual stress test, a move that could release billions of dollars in stock buybacks and dividends, and this will just propel the equity market up even higher and higher, right? The Fed may lift capital limits, which were put in place in 2008 and 2009 for all the largest big banks in the US, being Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo, right? And they reckon if the Fed uh, changes the capital levels, right, the banks won't need to hold as much expensive capital, right? Which will release liquidity on their balance sheet, okay? That's how it works, right? Which means they don't need to hold as much capital so they can sell their capital, expensive capital, and basically, you know, have all this money sitting on their balance sheet. And there's been forecasts that that could be anything from $66 billion to $130 billion in buybacks of shares and dividends, Right? And of course, all these CEOs are going to do this, right? Because you know what? You know how they're compensated? By the share price, right? Of Morgan Stanley or JP Morgan or whatever. That's how these CEOs, like Jamie Dimon, you know, of JP Morgan get compensated, right? If the share price goes up more, they get more money. Now, that's a crime. Fed income, that is a crime, right? Because, you know, the Fed's making it easy for them, right? Honestly, all they're doing is injecting money into the system, keeping rates low, and the banks easily make money with no risk, right? So all these boffins at the top, you know, all these white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males 
over 55 to 60. And no, I don't have a dislike of, uh, you know, men of that age. Not at all. I love them. But the thing is, right, this is like, uh, how can I say this? Uh, the blue blood, right? You know, the blue blood, right? You know, if, you, if you're not white, forget it, man. And, and if you're a black woman, forget it or anyone else, right? These are blue bloods that, you know, always end up with the directors on big companies and everything else, right? And they get paid in the millions and billions, right? And that is just a joke, right? They are not worth that much money. And even in 08 and 09, right, the Fed bailed out these companies, right? These banks like Citigroup. They bought Citigroup shares at $2.25 and bailed out the CEOs who are supposed to make risk decisions and still get paid risk money. And that is a crime as far as I'm concerned. You know, they get paid so much money compared to the, the little people. It is just a joke and they're not worth it. I can tell you right now. Anyway, US GDP for the first quarter was up 6.4%, which is extremely high. Okay, US PC prices were up another 3.9%, which is incredibly high, but you've still got high initial jobless claims. You know, this week they came in at 411,000 compared to, uh, you know, 380 uh, expected, right? Now, this is people going, you know, for first-time benefits, right? And every week we see it, we see it near 500,000 or so, right? So it means, you know, if you're looking at the total figure, it's something like, you know, 3.4 million people are still on this US initial jobless claim payment, right? So this is why the US can't find workers, because why should they? The wages are so low, it's a joke. Prices are going through the roof and the Fed's not acknowledging it. All they're doing is making the equity holders, the equity people, richer and richer and rich, richer, and the CEOs of these banks, richer and richer and richer. It's the same thing like 08 and 09. Wall Street is not going down because they just think the Fed is going to inject more and more money and keep this, you know, keep this euphoria in the equity market, right? You know, how high does it go, man? I mean, even before 08, the equity market, the Dow was about 14,000 14, and a half. Now we're talking at 34,000 odd, right? I mean, you know, the Fed has created this. The Fed has created a monster, literally. And when this falls apart, and it will, you know, they've manipulated the bond rates to, to all-time lows. The bond rates used to reflect the risk in the system. No, now they don't because the Fed completely stuffed up the bond curve, right? Completely by its manipulation of the bond curve, by buying bonds to keep yields low, right? And when this turns around, all hell's going to break loose, right? We've had an equity market bull since 2009 and it doesn't stop, right? When does it get to the time that the equity market is expensive? You cannot keep buying equities when PE ratios are anything from 25 to 100, right? Which means you're buying a price where you expect earnings to go up 25 times uh, per annum, right? With a PE ratio of 25. It's just nuts in my mind. Absolute nuts. 
And at the same time, we have oil going through the roof at $73.16 and there's forecasts for it to get to 100 and it will get there. We have a high US dollar, which makes the US less competitive in the, in the world because the US dollar is higher at 110.84. And basically, the oil price is going through the roof and that is a, crump, crump, a crunch on the consumer because we all have to fill up our car with oil and that's costing us even more money, right? You know, and this is inflation and these guys are not even opening up their eyes. They must be blind. And you know why they're blind? Because they earn way too much money and they do not do shopping, honestly, and they haven't got a clue. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting in the future to see how all this pans out, people, I tell you. Markets fascinate me, seriously, and it's like a big chess game of strategy, you know, but the Fed has killed the market, seriously, it killed them, you know, and when it goes back to normal pricing, if it ever does, I tell you, a 10-year bond rate is not going to be at 1.48 when GDP is running at 6.25% and inflation's running at 22 there's just no way in the world. Okay, so uh, I'll leave you with one thing. Look up the Taylor's Rule. The Taylor's Rule is what economics, ec economists, and I did a you know, base degree and honours degree in economics, right? Look up the Taylor's Rule, okay? The Taylor Rule says that you know, if, the, um, if GDP is running at 6%, say, and inflation is running at 20 then a 10-year bond rate should be at 26%, okay? So a lesson for you guys, look up the Taylor's Rule and then you'll know what I'm talking about. But we have stagflation. Anyway, guys, on that note, uh, I'll leave it at that and um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening and uh, I, I thank you for your support. Thank you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.